This episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast is sponsored by The Great Courses Plus. And I am so excited because I just discovered a pilot in The Great Courses Plus about sign language. And I've been interested in sign language since I was a kid. When I was little, I learned the letters of the alphabet and I'd make my brother practice with me. Now I can really learn. And it was interesting because in just the first 10 minutes, the instructor actually shifted my entire mindset around American Sign Language. So now I just need to tell my daughters about it so they can watch. I know that one is definitely interested in sign language and I gotta check with the other one and see if she is too. And it's great because the app makes it easy to stream so we can all watch or listen wherever we are and whenever it's convenient and then we can come back together and talk about it or practice. If you haven't checked out The Great Courses Plus yet, pop on over to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mightyparenting where you can get access for free to check it all out. There's truly something there for everyone. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash mightyparenting. I was in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean when it happened. There was a sudden jolt and our submarine crashed on the seafloor. We were in total darkness. That's Dr. Dejana Figueroa, a marine biologist and STEM teacher, talking about a deep sea dive she'll never forget. It's funny, when I was a kid, I was afraid of the ocean. And there I was, two miles below the surface. But as a scientist, you prepare for that. Using our training and a little creativity, we fixed the sub and finished our experiments. The dive was just too important. Every dive gives us glimpses at things few people ever get to see. Blowing creatures, fiery undersea volcanoes, when we got back to the surface, I kissed the ground and called my mom, of course. But you know what? I wouldn't trade that dive for anything. Dr. Figueroa uses her passion for STEM to discover new things and make the world a better place. She can STEM, so can you. Check out She Can STEM for more stories and inspiration. A message from the Ad Council. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a podcast with real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults. Welcome to Mighty Parenting, a community where we help you raise teens and parent 20-somethings so they can become happy, successful, and emotionally healthy adults. I'm Sandy Fowler, stress relief coach, emotional wellness speaker, and host of the Mighty Parenting podcast. And I just want to remind you to pop over to mightyparenting.com and grab your free email series on how to talk to your teen. Well, we are here in this crazy topsy-turvy world right now and things just keep changing without notice and basically we're just we're living in this world where COVID has shifted everything school is up in the air kids are studying from home parents are trying to work from home our college students who are supposed to be taking off may be at home our kids who are supposed to be starting jobs mine i still have one who she started her first quote unquote real job but she's doing it from her bedroom in our house because everything's remote so basically it's a very different world and the rules keep changing on us and none of us know what tomorrow will bring one thing that we do know is there will be more change and that means we will be making more transitions. And today's guest is an expert at dealing with transitions. Her name is Kanisha Baynard, and she's an author, a creativity expert, and a productivity specialist. 
who specializes in helping teens and parents reconnect through her individual connectedness program. Kanisha, welcome to Mighty Parenting. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. I am too. You know, we had our pre-interview chat and it was so fun and so interesting. And I really love, I love the heart you have for helping families. And right now we can all use a little extra compassion and a a little extra handholding, I guess, would be the way I'm kind of looking at it now. Uh, But what I wanted to talk about first is our teens. You know, there are normally a lot of transitions in a teenager's life. They're good. They are helping our kids grow. They are milestones to becoming an adult. But a lot of that's been disrupted with COVID. And so I'm kind of curious what you're seeing, you know, what is that disruption to the normal transitions doing to our teens? Yes, I absolutely agree with you about this onslaught of change and transitions. And usually, you know, we have these defined markers when this is going to happen. But now it just seems to be constantly a transition flux. And I think for a lot of families that have teenagers, and I'm thinking really these entry points where you're going into your teenage years, or you are, you know, entering into your late teenage years, and there's usually these milestones that parents anticipate, that teens anticipate, but none of that is happening, because it feels like right now we are repeating the same day, you know, day after day, and we don't have a lot of um, different positions or different experiences. And for a lot of people that is causing this decision-making fatigue, there's this, you know, mental malaise. And for a lot of people, they're struggling with trying to build in these transitions that are so exciting or that they've read about or they prepared for. And I find that when I'm working with families, we talk a lot about having a shift perspective in this case. And I think for many of us, we just you know, tried to keep things going and we really didn't take a pause to anticipate how to react, how to respond and how to nurture ourselves within this whole shift and transition. I love that you brought up the parents there a couple of times. One was in talking about the transitions and the milestones. I know that like say senior year of high school, Mm-hmm. That whole year is something that myself, I know my friends when I talk to them, like we used that whole year to prepare ourselves for our kids to be leaving the nest and going off to college. And I know the kids do the same thing. And last year that was already disrupted. And now we know ahead of time it's disrupted for this year. And not only the disruption of that year, but then the following year. Well, did they actually leave? Are they on campus? Are they coming back? And then you talked about, you know, taking this time to, to take care of ourselves. And you mentioned a shift perspective. What is that? So I like to give um, the families I work with just a protocol. And I know that sounds like a big, fancy, official word. But really, I, like, I tell parents all the time, when you're working with your teens, they're trying to anticipate your reactions. They're trying to anticipate your response. So if you have this centralized protocol or system, if you will, you can call it a checklist, whatever word is most comfortable to you. If you have a protocol in place, 
all of you, the whole entire family, no matter what the structure is of the family, how it looks, especially now when people are having more interge intergenerational homes because of what's going on in the economy, in our society right now, there's a lot of shifts. So when I talk about a shift protocol, there are five pieces to it. And you know, it's just the structure and then the way that the, pam the family puts it into place is really customizable. So when you look at shift, um, it's just each letter of the word shift and the S stands for a self-assessment. And we talk about how are you taking care of yourself? And when you're taking care of yourself in the proper way, how are you able to relate to your family? How are you able to relate to your professional life? So it's a self-assessment just to see how you are feeling in that moment, in that time. And it's super sure it's something you can do, you know, if you are um, finishing meditating in the morning, or if you're just having a moment where you're just zoning off and just kind of relaxing your, your mind, it's super simple to go through the questions. And then the H in shift is having a vision. So a vision for this particular time that we're all navigating that's very new, that's very different than what we thought we would experience. That's very um, much a space holder because a lot of things are either paused or postponed. So having a vision for what you're going to do in this space or time, very short term, very in the moment, very forgiving because you might have to shift out of that particular vision depending on what's going on. And then the I stands for um, your identity. So if you're going to have identity shift in that moment, I think about our teens. You were in 12th grade. You had anticipated all the things that were going to happen senior year. It's not happening. It's not happening close to what you thought it was going to be. So there's an identity change, identity shift, identity, you know, refocus, because everything that you thought was going to be, you have to figure out how your identity maps to that. You thought you might be going off to college, but you're still at home doing college. There was an identity shift of what it was like going to be like to be a first-year college student or a third-year college student, depending on what the case may be. So that's the I. And then the F is for freedom. And I always tell people, you know, we have the freedom to create whatever we need to create in a super opportunity moment or one that's just not, you know, the best choices. And a lot, a lot of families right now feel like they don't have enough freedom. And I say, you do have the freedom to kind of recreate what you want your life to look like right now. That might be a recreation for a week. It might be a recreation for a month. Or if you're thinking more of an academic calendar, it could be for a quarter, a semester. So you just have a freedom to re-envision, to remap, to recreate, um, to reassess what you want things to look like. And then the final letter in shift, the T stands for taking the time to put this into action. A lot of times we think about what we want to do. We might plan it. We might map it out. We have some bullet points written on a sticky note, and then we just don't take it forward. We don't make the time to do it. And I say that's always the most important part of this protocol because you're really thinking thoughtfully about how you want to navigate this transition, this shift, then you need to give yourself time to do it. And so I encourage families to have, you know, the shift protocol posted on the family calendar, um, in the hub, like you know, if you have a bulletin board in your kitchen, for example, where everybody looks at it put, it, put it on your phone, you know, take a picture of something you've written down, just to remind you, even though we're experiencing all of these changes and transitions all at once, and sometimes on a daily basis, we can manage how we respond to that shift.
Okay. I'm laughing because how often do we all do that where we take a class, we listen to a podcast and we, we hear this bit of wisdom. We go, Oh my gosh, that's great. That's amazing. But we don't, we don't take the time to actually put it into action. And then we're in the same place that we were before and we're still struggling with the same things we struggled with but we just don't make the time to do that. And I found myself doing that actually for work yesterday, Mm -hmm. looking at something and going, oh, I should take this class. It's like, wait a minute. You already took two courses in the last year that covered this in some way, shape or form. Go back and actually implement what you've already learned. You have to implement it. And I, and I think that's, part of um, the problem that a lot of us are having is we're doing a lot of talking about Mm -hmm. things and not as much actual implementation, um, which your format gives us. But there was another shift I kind of heard you talking about that um, comes along with, with this, with the acronym and all the things for us to do. I also hear you kind of referencing I think a little, a little mindset shift that we all need to make, which is life is different right now. We don't know what the new normal is going to be. There is only what people are saying is like normal of the moment. But I hear you saying, you know, give yourself permission to go, hey, what is it going to be right now? Whether you, you said, you know, a day, a week, a semester, And I love when you talked about freedom and you talked about the freedom to create what you want your life to be like for right now, because that's something I see parents really struggling with is trying to figure out how to make life look like it used to as much as possible right now, instead of what do I want it to be for now, instead of how do I make it what it was? Yeah, I know when I'm talking to um, my parent clients and I have a small group that we're working together, they all have high school age students and that's by design this particular group. And they're, they're, they're so concerned right now about, you know, their sons and their daughters staying on track for their academic progress, right? You know, I just want to make sure that they are going to be set up for a great post-secondary option. I want to make sure that we're still on track for what we were planning before we all had to make this big shift in our lives. And so the questions I always ask is, who is holding you to that standard? Who is holding you accountable for this academic progress? Who is holding you to this previous mindset, this way of thinking about things for your son or daughter's high school years? And so when that, just that question, they have to really explore that, do that self-assessment for themselves and realize, you know, I'm holding it to the standard of how I went to high school. I'm holding this to the standard of how my older child did things. I'm holding it to the standard of what I just have been told where I live, in my school district, in my community, about how high school should go. And when we really explore that question and kind of dismantle, like, is this a hard truth or is this just something that we can shift in the mindset? Most everything can be shifted in the mindset And then we can do a reset of these expectations. We can do a reset of these um, 
standards that we set for ourselves. And as I mentioned before, the timeline, you know, is it for a week, this, this reset? Is it for a month? If it's, is it for a quarter or a semester? And then people can ease up on this pressure, on this um, mental pace of how things should go and how things should be. And then you're, allowed, you're able to, you know, shift in a different way and to be kinder to yourself in it, even though you're figuring it out as you go and to have more self-compassion around the times that don't go so well or when you're just over it because it becomes too overwhelming and you want something different, but we can't create something completely different right now. And we have to keep resetting in the middle of going on in our lives. And I just think a lot of times as adults and our teens are watching us as adults, they see how we adjust to these things. And if we don't talk about it, if we don't slow down to actually, as you mentioned, to do some implementation, they get the message that you're just supposed to keep going at all costs and there's no time to do a shift of your mindset. There's no time for a reset. There's no time to re-envision and have a new vision in this shift. And I just think if we're having these conversations with ourselves in our minds, in our journals, you know, when you're hiding in the pantry because you want to get some quiet time or something like that, you, you can have this conversation as a family because I'm sure everybody else are ha is having similar thoughts, but it's playing out in a different way. Oh, and having that conversation, well, I imagine you have your clients doing this, right? Aren't their kids just breathing a big sigh of relief when this, when this conversation happens and they're actually given permission to, to stop pushing toward that standard? Absolutely. I mean, that's a huge part of the freedom. It's like, whew, okay, now I can understand, I can get off of what I thought it was going to be and stop trying to maintain it at this level, show up every day for however I'm doing my remote learning and just be in that moment instead of looking on down the road because I'm already exhausted in this real-time thing. I can't even begin to think about what's next because I'm still grappling with this new normal, this new moment, this new way of interacting with my peers, with my teachers, with my school community, of missing out on my extracurriculars and missing out on my clubs and things like that. So there's still this um, grieving moment of things we're missing out on while we're still trying to do things. And we need to you know, shift that ideology. We need to restructure our mindset. We need a reset. And as you were talking there too, there's this grieving moment. And I, I think we forget about it, but I've at least heard parents talk about that. I, I've heard that addressed. What I don't usually hear addressed is something else you just mentioned. And that is that we are learning and our kids are learning how to be in this normal of the moment, in this new normal for today, including doing things like online learning. Somehow in our brains, we think that shifting to doing school or doing work from a home computer should be no big deal. And the reality that we're finding is that it's a very big deal. Now for some kids it's way better. You know, mm -hmm. for some kids they've just taken to it like a duck to water. But I talked to lots of parents whose kids are struggling, they're fatigued, they don't have motivation. They were a good student before when they were in school, but this just isn't working for them. And I think that oftentimes it may not be working because we haven't taken this time to transition and to actually teach our kids the skills they need and the structure they need to function in this. Is that something that you found to be an issue? 
I do find that to be an issue because I imagine your client base is the same way, Sandy, but you know, I work with a lot of high achievers and high achievers really are directed. You know, they typically have a linear way of thinking about things. They have um, a checklist, they have a timeline. And so they don't really want to deviate from these plans that they have really thought about, that they've curated, you know, to the nth degree. And it's really difficult to feel like everything has been derailed and all of a sudden your plan has failed, which is not true. Your plan has not failed. You just haven't been able to take it forward as you initially thought, because now we have this whole new dynamic. And I feel like a lot of people, when they get into this thinking space of just keep going, it creates this cycle of burnout that's going to bubble up because we haven't tried anything new. We are not using new or different coping strategies to get us through. We keep relying on the things we did before when what we did before was nothing like this. And I find that I am always telling parents that, you know, this is the time to figure out where you can, you know, soften the curves at home, where you can give everybody some level of relief, even though it's going to be a different type of relief. And I think about my own family, I have one teen at home, and then I have one college age student who is away. Um, and what we've done in our home is we have re envision one area of our house that we call the quiet area where we, you know, have put a partition, just like one of those freestanding divider things. And then, you know, we've put a, a small carpet there, a little rug and um, a beanbag chair and just put some, you know, really soothing um, removable uh, wallpaper just in that corner. Because sometimes when you're looking at a screen all day or you're just not feeling it, or you feel like the walls are closing in or whatever the case may be, you just want to escape. And that is the escape space for myself, for my teen son, for my husband, just when we don't want to be with each other, we don't want to be doing what we're supposed to be doing. We just want the freedom to escape. And so I'm always talking to parents about how can you carve out some corners to just kind of decompress, take a time out, escape, and just not deal because we're dealing with a lot sometimes and sometimes we just don't want to do it and that's okay you should give yourself the freedom to check out for a little bit you should schedule some time to check out for a little bit because we can't keep going non-stop because that's not sustainable right now kanisha you've used the word burnout and that really hits the nail on the head for things i'm hearing from people and things that I've watched my family start to experience. And the concept that we're burned out in September is very scary and mind-boggling because that's just the beginning of the haul. So I think recognizing that, that living in this new way is exhausting and tiring and that we are a little burnt out because we don't have these new coping strategies. So the one of the new coping strategies you talked about was creating this escape space, which I love. And I've, as you were talking about, I noticed my family has done this a little differently. I have one daughter who's taken to going up on the roof because she knows nobody is coming up on the roof to bother her. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And so she just goes and sits up there. I take, I, I go lay out in the front yard and lay under a tree and just like 
stare off at the sky or do a meditation or something. Just like you said, getting away, away from each other, away from the screens. Are there some other coping strategies that maybe you find a lot of people like to use, or maybe there's something a little bit different than people normally use, but our times are not normal? Do you have other suggestions? So one thing I'm going to just go back and talk about the burnout real briefly. Some people just think about burnout as this one big thing. And I always remind people that there's different types of burnout. So you all might be a family of three or four, and each of you could be experiencing a different type of burnout. So you're definitely going to want to have different coping options for doing things. And um, there the three types of burnout that I always talk about with people, there's the overload burnout, which I feel like a lot of women who are primarily lead parents typically are feeling right now, or a lot of emotional labor is going toward them. So there's the overload burnout, and then there's the under-challenge burnout. And I think a lot of our teens right now are experiencing the under-challenge burnout just because things are becoming way too monotonous for them. And then the third type of burnout is the neglect burnout. And that is when people are just, you know, they're not looking forward to anything. Like everything is dull. Nothing is great. It's just kind of like this gray haze. And so when we're looking at the three different types of burnouts and different things that people need to do, I always say, think about things that will give you an instant mental boost. You know, not just how um, your mood would change, but your mental boost, your mindset. And so I was talking to one mother and she was just like, you know, the walls are closing in. My kids are very messy. She has two teenagers. One's a senior and one's um, a sophomore. And she just is feeling like the the freedom that she thought she was going to have because her kids were going to be able to get to school on their own. And, you know, they were going to have the extracurricular. She was just going to have more time to do home projects without interruptions from her husband or her kids. And I said, you seem that you're, you, you seem like you're in overload and you seem like you need a break for something. So what is something we could take off your plate initially just to make you feel better? Just an instant, you know, emotional, mental release. And she said, meal prep, cooking food, like the kitchen, all of that. And I said, well, why don't one week, you know, one day per week is just your carry out lunch. You know, most people think about the carry out being the dinner. I said, why don't you give yourself a lunch relief? You can be a super mom. You can tell the kids, hey, you get to pick your place you want to have lunch at. You can, you know, have it delivered. You can go pick it up, wherever the case may be. But you get the break of getting out of the house away from them. You get the break of not preparing the meal. And you get the break of being a hero to them and they are still facilitating what's going on. And she just thought that was a phenomenal idea because she realized she was, you know, in the house too much with them too much and didn't just have a time for herself. So we just came up with something that simple, but it provided a lot of relief for herself and then also her two children. So when you hear parents talking about that type of issue, like, you know, just the kids are getting to me. There's a lot of frustration. There's a lot of nobody's pulling their weight. Nobody's doing this. That's just a, that can just be a sign of burnout for you Mm -hmm. as a parent. Is that right? Absolutely. Because a lot of us made this shift, you know, in early March, late March, without really negotiating it with ourselves and negotiating with the family. We just responded to it. We didn't really take a time to map out. And a lot of us have been doing it, you know, six plus months and we still haven't taken time to negotiate it or, 
you know, plan it out. We're just responding, responding instead of, you know, making a plan. And I can see then what my brain is going is it's seeing the cascade of, so we're frustrated and two things happen. One, we feel guilty because we shouldn't be frustrated with getting to spend more time with our family and have all this quote unquote quality time with our kids and a good mom, a good dad would do this, do that. So there's the guilt piece. And then I can also see that burnout and that guilt all cascading down into our relationship with our child and damaging that. Yes, absolutely. Because there is this space that we're trying to keep everything normal, right? And I'm saying, why would you do that if it's causing you so much stress or anguish or resentment? Like this is that freedom time to we need to rethink about this. We need to relook at this. Like one thing for myself, you know, I work from home. I was used to having the entire house to myself. And now, you know, my son's home and, you know, mom's here. So she's interruptible, even if I'm working. So we had to come up with a system of if this is on my office door, or if this is the case, I'm not to be interrupted. I didn't have to think about that before. I didn't have to negotiate that because I was just so used to being in the house by myself all the time. And before we negotiated that, I was always annoyed that can't you see I'm working? But I don't know if he can see that. You know, I don't know how kids see us. You know, I just see my mom. I want to ask her a question. So I didn't do my own shifting and adjusting so that we can both have some peace around the house. And, you know, as soon as I was like, let's be clear on this, this is what it looks like. It was a five minute conversation, Sandy, and it just totally shifted everything. So I feel like you know, some of the things that we just kind of expect, you know, our kids may expect it, we may expect it as adults, we just really need to have the conversations. And it doesn't have to be a long, drawn out conversation. You know, when you were asking about the coping strategies, if you want to spend time with someone in your family, you could actually physically cook the meal together. And then that's the perfect time to talk about these things. So it's not just this conversation that's about, we need to fix something, no. We're enjoying this time together. We're preparing a meal together. We're all relaxed. Let's discuss something that's important to us. And I feel like when we just have time to relax into a conversation as opposed to demanding a conversation, you definitely get more honesty, more vulnerability, and you can you know, have the changes shift as you need with your family. We've said before on here, magic moments with teenagers seem to be like driving in the car, doing chores. It's not that we're going to sit down and have a conversation, like you said. And this, I can be, I can see it. I can see us, you know, like you said, cooking in the kitchen with our kids or as fall is coming, raking leaves or doing something and just going, hey, you know, the world's topsy-turvy and there's lots of stuff going on. And I'm just wondering if there's anything that you need from me, or if there's something that's challenging, like we need to find another way to meet a need for you. Or I've noticed that you are kind of seem to be struggling with doing this, or it seems like maybe you need some other things to do. What's going on? But a simple, simple conversation, a short question and asking how you can help them. Or like you said, on the flip side going, Hey, I've noticed that we're having a little bit of trouble with you needing things and me getting frustrated because I'm working. How about if we do this? Yes. And I think the other piece too is when parents come into this space to discuss things with their family, with their teens, 
don't expect to be the expert or anything and it just it just um i love the magic moments it just expects to be a magic moment and to also do some active listening you know it's just collecting data having more information and you don't have to have anything planned out it can be a continued a continued conversation or it can be you know what i want you as a family member to take charge in that area and take charge could be like putting something on the calendar selecting how an evening will run um, deciding where you will take your family walk if you are going out for hikes and things like that and just giving people um some empowerment but something they will automatically be successful at i mean that just that's just such a good feeling and for our teens you know they do want to please us even though they're trying to come into their own and establish themselves and when they are able to be successful without so many things attached to it that definitely shifts their mood boosts their energy and definitely helps them com combat burnout and I like the phrase, um, empower them in an area where they can be successful. Because one of the things that is straining us now is not feeling like we have control over our life. Mm -hmm. We talked about that in the episode with um, Dr. Anthony Rayo, where he talks about agency. And that's basically just a lack of control over your life. So helping our kids to find those spaces and those places where they can have some control and they do have control that they can see and experience, as you said, is going to go a long way toward helping them feel better, which is also going to go a long way towards solving all those little niggly things that I'm hearing from parents. The kids are surly, they're difficult, they're lazy, they're this, they're that. They're just trying to cope. They're just trying to cope. And speaking of coping, we, we did go off on a little tangent. I just want to make sure um, that you had the opportunity to share a few of the other coping strategies that you might have so that, you know, as families, for ourselves, for our kids, we can try some different things. Yes. Um, here are three others that I think are super important right now. I mean, they can be used anytime, but having time to unplug and no screen time and not in a punishment type way. I have established that we take an hour off each day. Um, we can negotiate the time because sometimes there's homework and things to be done. But what we do in our house is, you know, is, is this our screen free hour? And we all agree to what the time is. Um, one person gets to pick the playlist they want to play and we just put the playlist on and um, we put the diffuser on and then you can do whatever you want in the whole house long as it, does, as it doesn't involve a screen. And typically it's, lying on the floor it's getting out a coloring book reading a book or just looking out the window and so it's just this time that we're all doing it at the same time so you don't have to worry about missing something in the family because that's a lot of times why people keep doing things because oh I want, everybody else is busy i should be busy too no we all stop together and you know it's been a really nice thing and we started doing it about three months ago just because everything was swirling so really having a dead designated unplug time it could be a half hour it could be 10 minutes whatever fits your family's lifestyle and your rhythms and pat and patterns that's super important to do the other thing is i always you know use creativity to disrupt any type of unfulfilling pattern and i've encouraged on my blog to parents to clients is to set up a craft table and when i say a craft table it could be you know a kitchen table it could be a tv tray table a small table a card table you know anything like that and you put a few creative materials on the table 
for a week. It could be paper, scissors, glue. And you just leave it there for a week and people can come and make something however they want. And then the next week you add one more thing. So it's like a little, oh, there's a new um, tool here. And one of the things I think is really important about that is a lot of times for us as adults, we forget how to play. And then as our young people get older and enter the teen years, they forget how to play. And parents also forget how to play with their teens when we're so used to playing with our kids before. So this is a really good way to play and you can do asynchronous play. People are doing it at different times or you could do it together, but there's no pressure to add one more thing. And it's just there as an option instead of watching another TV show, instead of being on your phone, instead of, you know, hiding from the family, there's the craft table. And then the third thing that I think is super important is some type of written expression. I encourage families to do um, a shared journal. And what that is, is, you know, you just get a notebook. A lot of us have different journals that are on the shelves that we've been meaning to use. This is a great time to use all those meaning to use materials. And, you know, you open up the journal, you write on one page, doodle on one page, put um, magazine clippings, however you journal, whatever your style of journal is. And then somebody else in the family responds on the other page. And it's kind of like this ongoing catalog of expression, whether you are communicating back and forth, it could be that, or you're just expressing how you feel in that moment, in that day, responding to something that's happening in the world. It could just be such a space to keep this information as a catalog. Um, some people use it as a burden or a worry journal. So if you're feeling stressed about something, burned out, burdened, you put all that information, you just write it in the journal and it's no questions asked. And the family uses that as a, as a keeper of their peace. So I just think it's really um, important that we show our teens how to do these different things. And if we're doing it at the same time, instead of just preaching it to them, they're more, they're more likely to take it up and to you know, use it as a coping strategy and use it as a healthy habit. We have to model it. If we hear that over and over, we have to model it. I am really intrigued with the craft table idea. I think I'm gonna try that. We recently had a discussion in the Mighty Parenting community where we were talking about things we used to do to play with our kids when they were little. Because you said, mm -hmm. the kids forget how to play, we forget how to play. We think for some reason when they're in their teens and 20s, we can't really play anymore. And it, it sparked these converse, you know, some conversation and some ideas around doing things like uh, someone talked about getting out Legos. And I'm like, oh my gosh, yes, we have the Legos. My family loved it when I just pulled out the Lego box and dumped them on the coffee table. We love to play with Legos. And that also goes to that place of creativity and one person starts something and someone else gets interested and it does it. It's something different. It gets us away from the screens. I went back to when my girls were little, we used to just bounce a suit, little, those little rubber super balls. We would go out and bounce it off the garage door. And just, it was a time we just were hanging out, bouncing this ball. It's not a big deal. We would have great conversations. So I brought it up and said, you remember when we used to do that? Come on here. I got a couple super balls. Let's go out and do that. And at first they're like, you've got to be kidding me. You know, I'm, I'm 20 something. I can't go bounce a super ball off the garage door, but they went because they're going to humor mom. And the same thing happened. You know, you get this, this magic moment. The conversation goes back. You start reminiscing about doing it when they were little. And then you reminisce about other things and, and the world just opens up. So mm -hmm. I love that you're giving us ideas for time and space 
to do that, to actually get some respite from the things that are weighing us down and burdening us. And so really, if I was going to summarize this, I think where, where I'm going to is your idea of shift, starting with allowing ourselves, giving ourselves permission to shift our mindset. And then you actually gave us the the acronym with everything. So do a self-assessment, have a vision for this particular time, identify the, the shift, um, have freedom. Remember that we have freedom to recreate what we want our life to be like right now, and then take the time to put it into action. And then these action steps that help us deal with and avoid the burnout and reconnect with our family and just remembering that everything we're doing right now can require a shift. So I love what you shared here, Kanisha, for anyone who wants to get uh, get more from you or get in touch with you. What's your website? So my website is boldlivingtoday.com. And I picked that name specifically because we all have ways to live boldly. So you can find my information there. You can connect with me on social media. All the information is at boldlivingtoday.com. Love it. And I really appreciate you coming on and helping us look at ways that we can handle these transitions that are going on in our lives and taking some of the weight off, reminding us that we don't need to create everything the way it was and tried to just make that fun, we can actually shift and go, what do we want now? So love that and really appreciate you sharing that with us today. Thank you so much, Sandy. It was a pleasure to be here. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. If you enjoyed the podcast, please rate, review, and share it. And really the most important thing there is to share it. I know there are so many parents out there who are struggling right now who could use Kanisha's advice and her perspective to help us moving forward through all this craziness. So thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing. And remember, if you're here, if you're listening, you are a mighty parent and you got this. I will see you next week.